along those lines. Woo, that was fun. That is 100% accurate, by the way. So um, if you are wondering who to cheer for, who's going to win, uh, make some money on the game. No, you don't do that, right? All right. Oh, yeah. We got a little bumper here. We don't worry about that. Let's just get into what we're doing here. So when we think about today, Super Bowl Sunday, I mean, it is an exciting day. There's a lot going on. People are planning parties. How many of you guys are going to have a party today? Watch the game. Some of you don't even know who's playing, right? There's some that don't even care. It's okay. That's all right. But do you remember seven years ago when the Cardinals were in the Super Bowl? Do you guys remember that Sunday? I mean, there's something about this, this day. There's something about this game that is so important, that's so powerful that, that we remember. And, and I, I kind of went back this week, and I looked at what happened during that game because I remember it was a pretty, pretty close game. We came so close to winning. But I had kind of forgotten some of the drama that took place. And I remember now as I watched and went back into that, into that moment because, you know, we didn't start off so well, but that game pitted the number one defense with Ben Roethlisberger, right? And the number one defense against who else but Kurt Warner and Larry Fitzgerald, right? That combo of the Cardinals. And we just had a great season and we're coming into the, the Super Bowl. But it was getting close to halftime and we were down 10 to 7. It just looked like we were going to go into half down 10 to 7. But then we got the ball and we drove it back down and we got to the two-yard line, and it was just like just seconds before halftime thinking, we're actually going to go into halftime with the lead, and Kurt Warner throws an interception at the goal line, and they run it back, a record-setting 100-yard touchdown, like pick return the other direction, and so they went into the halftime leading 17-7. to Then the second half starts, and we were actually then went down 20, 20 to 7. And now it's getting, you know, through the third quarter. It's getting into the fourth quarter, and it's just not looking good for us. And in that moment, all of a sudden, we're driving down the field again, and Kurt Warner throws a touchdown pass to Larry Fitzgerald in the back of the end zone. And we're gaining on him. Now we're, now we're, within, we're within six, and it's coming close towards the end of the game. Then we get a safety, and now we're down within two points we're thinking, this is it. This is amazing. We're going to go down the field, and we're going we're gonna to score. We're going to do this. We have a chance. We get the ball back, and we're about midfield. We're not even across midfield yet. And it's one of those amazing connections where, where, uh, where Kurt Warner throws to Larry Fitzgerald, and it's a 65-yard touchdown run right to the middle, through the middle. It's a touchdown. We take the lead with two minutes left. Problem is, we gave Ben Roethlisberger two minutes at the end of the game. And they drive down the field, and with a late uh, touchdown back corner, Santonio Holmes, we lost the Super Bowl. But the drama of that game, the moment of that game, when you follow these teams, when you're into the sport, there's nothing like being in the big game, experiencing what is happening there. Now, I would venture to say that if you asked any of the athletes today, any of the professional football players that are not um, either a part of the Denver Broncos or the Carolina Panthers, and you asked them today, I bet you none of them are saying like, oh, I can't believe those other guys. They got to work today. We've been on vacation for weeks. I can't believe that, you know? None of them would think, oh, these guys are losers. They got to work on Super Bowl Sunday. You know why? Because where would they want to be? Where does every single player in the NFL want to be this afternoon? They want to be there. They want to be in, in San Francisco. They want to be in the big game. And not just that, they want to be on the field. And so today, as we wrap up the series, I really very intentionally on this day, we've been talking about the series of, of Mosaic. We want to talk about what does it look like to get in the game. For weeks, we've been talking about this idea, this vision, this image of a mosaic, of this idea of God's kingdom that, that is so much bigger than us. And how can we be a part of something bigger than ourselves? Because that's what happens when we become part of some powerful stories. How do we become part of that? 
And we've spent weeks unpacking that and saying God's kingdom is bigger than any of our lives and what he's inviting us into is nothing short of bringing people to life and bringing wholeness and healing and hope and restoration, renewing marriages and relationships and and finding that deep satisfaction, that purpose for our soul so that people could say it is well in my soul. And God is saying that's what he's calling us into. He's calling us as a church to bring glimpses of that kingdom here and there and everywhere and where we go together, that people see this is what it can be like when the people of God live in such a way that honors him. And it's a beautiful and a powerful picture. We spent the last couple of weeks talking about, okay, well, what's your role in this? What's our place? How do we put our tile into that mosaic and place and find our place in that big picture of what God wants us to do? We talked about putting a serving towel over our arm, that when we serve others, It's what links us with their story. It's what unites us and connects us with other people. And it makes us part of something bigger. And it's the way that God said, this is the way that you begin to bring that wholeness and that healing. But last week, we talked about, um, more specifically, our shape. How is each of us uniquely shaped to be and to play that key role in God's kingdom? And we talked about those letters, S-H-A-P-E. We've all been given a spiritual gift. God said, I've given each of you a gift to build up the church. Use that gift. He's given us heart and a passion. He's given us abilities. He's given us a certain personality that that plays itself out in different ways, and he's given us different experiences. And we talked about this shape is so vital because God said, I've shaped you in a very specific way to fulfill a certain role. And when we find that opportunity, we hit that sweet spot. You guys remember the tennis rackets out here last week, right? You hit that sweet spot. And that's where I want to end today is how do you get into that sweet spot? How do you get into the game and experience what it's like to be a part of a team, to be a part of what God's doing, and not just observing from the outside, but literally, how do we get into the game? Let's pray, and then we'll jump into God's word this morning that really shows us what this looks like. Heavenly Father, we've had a lot of fun this morning. We've had a lot of great worship, just songs that remind us of who you are, and just your plan in our lives, and God, it just puts things into perspective when we come together and we bow our heads before you, our creator. Thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you for your care for us. And God, thank you for giving us a purpose and a reason and a place in this world. Help us to not miss that. God, help us to open our eyes today to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you guys were going to use that excuse of praying, like, oh, I'm, I'm still praying, I'm still praying, so I'm uh, just checking. I'll keep it there as a backup. All right, we've been looking at a key verse this whole series that I just want to pull out a little two-letter word that I want to focus on today from this verse that we've been looking at over the past several, several weeks in this series. And so let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and this word, and this verse that paints this picture of this mosaic that God has created for us. For we are God's masterpiece. We together are his mosaic, this beautiful picture that he is putting together just how he needs to, to, for his purpose. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. This is why we exist as a church, so that God would transform us through Christ Jesus. He's making us new and he's renewing us, but why is he renewing us? Why is he transforming us just so that, that life is different and looks different and better for us or, or healthier or just we, we, we learn how to function better or we know how to worship? Why? So we can, there's that two-letter word, I emphasized it for you. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Right? There's good things that God has planned. You have a reason and a purpose for being here. 
and for a reason why he's transforming us, but he's saying, so that we can do those things. And often it's this word do where we fall short. We can spend weeks on this series talking about this beautiful kingdom mosaic. We can talk about all the unique ways God has shaped you and gifted you and and planned this future for you and all these good works that he has in mind. And yet in the end, we can end and kind of go, okay, what what series are we starting next week or going, going forward? Do, that small little word that carries so much action behind it. God wants us to engage our gifts and our talents. He wants us to use our abilities for the good that he's planned. So how do we do that? How do we get in the game? How do we use our talents? Well, Jesus told a story. He loved telling stories. And he told a story um, somewhat like this about a father who had three very um, talented sons. And uh, this father was not only um, a good father who raised them, but he was also the high school football coach. Yeah, they had, they had, this was a story Jesus told um, in Matthew chapter 25. <clears throat> it's a new version. And, uh, and so he had, the, he had these three sons, and, and he just taught them all about life and value and, and how to treat you know, other people and how to work hard. But being the high school football coach, he also really taught them to love the game. And to not only love the game, but to be really good at this game. And so these three sons, actually each in their unique ways and their different ways, they had different talents as, as, as uh, children do in our families. And, and the, the son, the oldest son, he became really a standout quarterback for the team. He was, he was the, 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 just this, this all-star athlete that was recognized all around the district and the state and was just a really shining example of a leader on that team. The other brother, the second brother, he was a great running back, had a little bit different build than his, than his uh, older brother, and man, he could just plow through those, you know, the defensive line on the other side. He was unstoppable. He was just a really great, great running back. The youngest son, again, a little leaner, a little, little faster, a little quicker, he actually found his niche as a great wide receiver, and he could just run super fast and was just a great star as well. They all played really well on their team in, 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 uh, in high school. Well, the season was coming to an end, and, uh, and somehow in the story, because I couldn't make it fit, they're all triplets, because um, they all had to go to college at the same time, um, but I digress. Uh, it was time for them to make a decision about their future. And so mom and dad went away for the summer, and they said, you know, he said to his sons, look, I've taken you as far as I can. I've developed you. I've poured everything I have into you. You guys are awesome. You're wonderful. Uh, now, now go and embrace the future that's ahead of you. Make it count. Make it worth it. And so his parents left on a cruise where they didn't have access to cell phones or TV or anything else. And so um, I'm kind of making it up as I'm going along here. Uh, so the oldest son, in the summer, he's thinking, all right, I'm going to train hard. I'm going to hire somebody. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get great nutrition. I'm going to just work with a quarterback coach. I, I've got a great future ahead. I'm going to look at recruits and all these things. And he was actually drafted by the number one school in the country for football. We all know what that is, right? <laughs> I won't say it so you guys can all imagine in your head that he went to your school that you think he, he ought to go to. So, but he got this amazing, right, elite school that he went to. The second son, the running back, he also prepared and he trained and he worked hard and he was building up his, his strength because he wanted to be a real power runner. And so he did that and he met with other schools. He wasn't quite at the same level as his older brother, but he got into a top 25 school. I mean, it was a great program that he made it into, full scholarship, and he's going, he's, he's excited. The youngest son wasn't quite at the level as his other brothers, although he had a great high school career, but he looked and saw what his brothers were doing. He said, there's no way I'm getting into any of those programs. There's no way that I can do, do that. And so he just decided, you know, I'm going to take the summer off. 
and he hung out with his friends and he went to the beach and didn't even apply to colleges. He was just, just kind of gave up and threw in the towel. Well, parents came back from that cruise, hadn't watched any of the news or TVs. They didn't have any contact whatsoever. Dad calls the sons in and he says, Go, okay, guys, what happened? Tell me, tell me where you're going, what you're doing, what's your future hold? The first son tells him, Dad, I worked hard, trained hard all summer. And you know what? I got into the number one program in the country. I am so excited. His dad says, well done. You've worked so hard. You've prepared well. You've taken what God's given you, and you've just multiplied it. God is going to give you more responsibilities and a bigger stage. Go, and let's celebrate what God is doing. Second son you know, didn't quite get into the elite program that his older brother did. But he tells dad, he goes, dad, I worked hard too. And I gave everything I have and I poured it all on the, and put it all on the line. And I was able to be recruited by several different schools. And I picked a great school, top 25 program. His dad goes, man, I'm so proud of you, son. You worked hard. You invested what's been given to you. You didn't squander it. And here you go, man, you've been faithful. God's going to give you more responsibilities and opportunities. Let's celebrate tonight. And he asks the third son, what about you, son? What'd you do with the gifts you got? You've been a great wide receiver. And he goes, well, dad, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get into those programs. And those recruiters from those big schools, they, didn't, they, didn't, they weren't going to come knocking on my door. And so, so I hung out with my friends this summer and uh, I had a good time. Uh, he goes, did you at least, uh, did you, at least uh, you know, apply to a, a college? I mean, you could have gotten into some, some other smaller school, another program, maybe Division II. You could have gotten a scholarship. You were that good. He's like, no, dad, I didn't. And he just hung his head, said, lazy, why are you so lazy? Why did you not invest what has been poured into you? And then Jesus ends this parable in verse 29 of chapter 25. (laughs) Yeah, you'll want to read the rest of it some other time. He says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have, will be taken away. See, Jesus is saying, look, in the kingdom of heaven, everyone has been given talents. And it's not about who has more and who has less. What God cares about is what did you do with what's been given? Not comparing to what somebody has more, someone less. The two older sons had the same amount of celebration and honor and dignity given from dad because they invested what was given them. What did we do with that? And we find so many excuses like the younger son, maybe to go, God, I can't serve because this, that, and the other. I don't have those skills. I don't have those abilities. Maybe I'm not needed. We have all these reasons when we think about the church and we think about ministry and we think about what God may be saying for us to do. And we spend time making excuses and, and thinking about reasons why we can't serve. Rick Warren in one of his books writes this about people who make excuses and looking at it from a scriptural perspective, which I thought was really interesting. He said, if you're not involved in any service or ministry, what excuse have you been using? He said, Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair and all kinds of family problems. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric, to say the least. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha was worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubt. Paul had poor health. And Timothy was timid. This is quite a list of misfits, but God used each of them in his service He will use you too if you stop making excuses. Think about that list. 
And you think about God using people for his service who made themselves available. You said, I want to be a part of what is happening. I want to be part of the game. I want to be a part of what God is doing. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. When I think about this idea of what God is calling us together, this word do in a different way. Paul writes to the church and he says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one heart and purpose. We like that part, agreeing together and loving one another. We like that part. But then what does he say? Working together with one heart and purpose. Working together with one heart, one purpose. Linking arms together, not just attending something together. Not just calling ourselves something together, but working together. When was the last time that you linked arms side by side with someone from this church in a kingdom purpose? Doing something on mission for God. It's a powerful experience. It's something wonderful when we link arms together and we say, let's do this together. We are on this team together. I think about last October when we took a trip to Mexico on a weekend missions trip. There was 34 of us uh, on that trip, I believe. And man, we just got to come together. Some of us didn't even know each other before the trip and and we joined together and, and all of a sudden we're walking neighborhoods together, inviting people from the neighborhood to come the next day, children to come so that we could, you know, play with the kids and have a little uh, Saturday Bible school with them and some fun. We'd pray with people. Then on Saturday, I'd see our team together, linking arms, playing with kids and, and ministering to them. Others putting up drywall and holding it and drilling it and screwing it and holding the ladder and painting and, and working together side by side with one heart and one purpose going to a women's shelter and a men's shelter and ministering to these people and praying with them and saying, man, we are together in this, being about the mission that God has called us on. It is a powerful experience. It sure beats sitting at home and watching, you know, whatever rerun or whatever series that you're binging on. Serving together, living for God's purpose. And, and, and we don't have to go to Mexico to experience what that's like. This morning, if I encourage you on any Sunday, come and pull up here to the church at 7 a.m but services until 9.15. There's there's activity. There's things that are happening behind the scenes. People linking arms to create an amazing Sunday morning experience for all involved, for all ages, from from the parking lot to the experience in here. As they're pulling in, and this morning they're coming in the back entrance, and they're parking on the sides, and they're pulling in, they're plugging in cables. They're rehearsing music. They're tuning instruments. They're dialing knobs over there. They're turning the screens on. They're checking to make sure all the songs are in the right order and, and the slides are up on the screen. Audio's dialed in and the streaming's dialed in and, and everybody's beginning to rehearse together and they are linking arms together saying, let's create an amazing experience this morning for people to worship God. Let's do this together hours before some of us maybe have even gotten up because it's fun to be part of that team, but not just in here. Out in the lobby and out in the, in, in the classrooms around us, there's teachers that are arriving and they're preparing for their classes and what they're going to teach and what they're going to say and make sure the classroom is ready to welcome those students, welcome those kids, to love them, to hold them, and to stand their place. And there's those that the, the greeters as they arrive and say, we want to create a kind of experience this morning where people arrive at the church, that they will feel welcome, that they will feel loved because what we do here is so important and I'm a part of what makes this thing happen. There's those that are starting to brew that coffee that some of you are enjoying this morning. They're getting here early, making lots and lots of coffee, 
putting food out, getting it ready to create and say, hey, welcome to our church. We want you to feel comfortable and at home and just enjoy some conversation around coffee and donuts. This is for you. And it happens throughout the week as classes are being taught and people preparing their lessons and, and gathering for their small group or their Bible study, preparing their home and getting things cleaned up and sticking stuff in the junk drawer, right? Because people are coming over. <laughs> it happens when we serve at Mana House and You Mama, these, these shelters that we serve, these, one of the shelters for families and another shelter for, for veterans. People preparing meals during the week to bring them there on Saturday to come together just to serve and to serve alongside others from the church body because they understand there's power when we are part of a team, when we, when we link together with one heart and one purpose. Now, when I think about teams, what sets one team apart from another team? When you're, when you're on the field, it's the uniform, right? It's the uniform. When you put on a uniform, that's when you understand, and that's when you know what team you are playing for. I used to, you know, when I love when I played sports, and we'd get that new uniform. Or you were on that team and you put that uniform on. Now, it's one thing during practice when you'd just be wearing whatever to, you know, to soccer practice and get dirty and run around and play or whatever. But then when that game time came, and it was Saturday or it was Sunday or it was whatever day it was that we were playing, and we put that uniform on, and all of a sudden it was like my identity changed. When you wear that uniform, you realize your identity changes because now you're part of something bigger than just you. It's not just you running out there. It's you, a part of a bigger story. It's you a part of something more, another team. And, and all of a sudden, it's not just about the name, you know, across the back. It's about the name in the front of the jersey. It's about the team that you represent. And sometimes it's a school that you represent. If you played, you know, in, in maybe in, in school sports or in college. Or maybe you represent a city. If you think about the teams and the professional teams that represent entire cities or states. Or what about the Olympics or World Cup soccer, these, these times and places where teams represent an entire nation? I mean, how powerful is that? You put that jersey on as I'm representing something bigger. And once you put that uniform on, you realize I am a part of something bigger. And my life is much more than just this one thing that I do and what I have. I'm a part of an, representing so much more than that. And it's what links us with our teammates. All of a sudden, these, these guys, these girls that are wearing the same uniform, we're on the same team. And we're bonded together with a single mission. And that having a uniform also helps you know what direction to play on a field, right? <laughs> White is going that way. Red is going that way. And that helps you orient because it tells you our purpose and our mission and our goal is to score on that end. We need to move the ball that way. And we have to defend these things and we need to move and advance these things. And when we're on a team and we're part of a church, when we're part of a serving together, we know what is our goal, what is our mission, what are we striving to do here? We work together to gather together. We have community life here at the church that tries so many different ways to create community among our church so that you would have relationships and friendships with others that you can lean on. And so we say, how do we do that? How do we connect and start with a pizza with the staff and have different groups that gather and with friends events and church picnics, which by the way, last week was awesome to see the church just connecting in that way. That doesn't just happen. It happens when a team serves side by side to make something like that happen. A team that gathers to say, how can we turn hearts and minds towards Christ? Through worship, through teaching, through classes, preparing for what God has because the value of seeing people come to know Christ and their life transformed by his truth is powerful. Sign me up for that. Love others, no strings attached. As we serve in the community, as we serve here in the church, 
God, how can we come alongside and make a difference in the lives of people through teaching them to lead when they're at the shelters? Or when we go and we just sabotage people with love. (laughs) Ambush people with love, intentional acts of kindness. And we multiply that impact. Now you can sit back on the sidelines and say, that's great what you guys are doing. And trust me, I pick up on that language when I speak with many of you. Do you say you guys or do you say we? You say, what are you guys doing? When is your groundbreaking? If you're asking me when our groundbreaking is, this isn't your church. You're just attending. If you ask us, what's your budget? This isn't your church. You're just attending a church. If you say, do you guys, uh, you know, need more help? Or how are you guys doing with volunteers and children's ministry? This isn't your church. I appreciate the question. But what changes is when this is your church, you say, what are we doing? How are we getting along? How are we doing in children's ministry? When is our groundbreaking? How much more money do we need to raise to make that happen? Do you need some more volunteers to serve because we're ready to go? This is our church. That's what happens when we wear the uniform, when we become part of the team. It's time for us to get in the game. It's time for you because, see, this isn't just something from you. This is for you. This is what God has designed in us to say, you don't come fully alive until you really experience what it means to serve and to use your gift alongside others in the church, which is his body, making a difference in this world, and it begins to bring you to life. You're serving alongside others. You're making a difference in others' lives. It's a win, win, win proposition. The church wins because we can continue to to, to expand our mission. You win because God is using you and you feel your understanding, your part from whatever role it is, you are part of what God is doing in this place. And the kingdom and the community wins because lives are being transformed and lives are being changed. And that's the game that I wanna invite you into to say, be a part of that. Be where the action's at. Let God use you. I wanna show you a video. We've got some people in the church, many people in the church who are in the game, who are serving God in neat ways. And I want you to meet some of those individuals. My name is Aubrey Brooke, Sean Joplin, Dave Tomczak, Krista, Heather Amos, Tammy Otto, Mari Collins, AJ, Kylie Knaus, Jeannie, Drake Dole, Michael Maroon, Mitchell Tomczak, and I serve at MMCCAZ. I serve by being a part of the leadership team for the women's ministry. When I first became a Christian, it was the women's ministry team that came alongside me and I feel called to do that for other women. I do it because I love the women here. Uh, Personally, I have been transformed in this ministry, and I just believe in the work that God is doing in and through uh, this community. I serve as an usher here at MMCCAZ because I didn't want to just be a consumer of the church, but I wanted to become part of the church, part of the body serving others as the church has served me. I serve at MMCC by being a student leader coach and being on the leadership team for the gathering. I serve at MMCC by helping out with the gathering because I love the sense of community and just being around those that are like-minded and following after Jesus. 
and I do it because it gives me a sense of belonging and I feel like I'm contributing and it gives me purpose. I serve at the MMCC Cafe because I love giving back to those who have invested in me since the first day I walked through these doors. I serve at MMCC AZ on the production team because uh, it's something I'm passionate about and God's given me the gift, so I thought I would share it here with everyone here at MMCC. This church has done so much for us, and we'd like to do as a family everything we can to uh, help and we can with, uh, with the ministry. I've decided to get in the game. I've decided to get in the game. I've decided to get in the game. I have decided to get into the game. I've decided to get into the game. I've decided to get into the game. I've decided to get in 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 the game. I have decided to get in the game. I've decided to get in the game. Week in and week out, and we're so grateful and thankful for all those that serve, that get in the game that make this church and this ministry and our, and our reach even possible. But we don't want just to reserve that for a few. We want you to have the jersey, to have the uniform. We've got plenty of these because we want you to experience what it means to be a part of what God is doing. In your worship folder, there, there's an insert. It says, I've decided to get in the game. And, and there's just an example for you of some of the opportunities that are here in the church for you to serve, to use your gifts, to give an hour of your time, an hour or two a week or whatever it is that we can work together. You see there's everything from, from helping from technology to using some of your, the skills you use in business and in everyday life to fixing and repairing things to folding worship folders or counting uh, you know, resources or just whatever. You see there's all kinds of opportunities there. And I'm just asking you, will you get in the game? Will you take a step to be a part of making this church the amazing ministry that it is to so many people that would bless more and more people that together we would do what God has called us to do? So we come back to where we began this series with Jesus inviting us to say, will you come? Will you lay down your life and then discover true life? When you give it up for me, when you give it up for Jesus and allow him to take a hold of that, we will be part of something bigger, a more beautiful masterpiece, a bigger mosaic of what God has for us. We should encourage you to maybe to look through this list, find a place, pray about that, or maybe there's one or two things that God is already stirring in you this morning that says, you know what, I can be a part of helping make that happen. You write that on there, you put that in there, you can drop it on any of the boxes as you leave or bring it into the office sometime this week. We'd love to talk with you, meet with you, and find that perfect place for you where you can know this is my place in the mosaic that God has prepared for us so that we could do the good things that Jesus planned for us to do long ago. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for believing in us 
so much and entrusting us so much with your mission in this world that you would give each of us a unique gift and place to serve. And that through serving, God, that that you would just stir in our soul, link us with others to be part of something bigger than ourselves. God, I just uh, thank you for this beautiful picture of the church and the mission you've called us to. God, thank you for all those that so faithfully serve here in this church and in this community and in so many different ways throughout our city. God, we are making a difference. We are shining a bright light. And I just thank you for the privilege it is to serve you. We love you, Lord. We love this church and the mission you've called us to. And together we are your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Let's worship.